Well, we're in the presence of the Lord tonight. We welcome you. Thank you for being in the evening service. How many came to receive something from the word tonight? God is going to help us, and I have a word from the Lord, and I want to uh, talk to you from my heart. God is doing great things, and we know and believe the Lord is coming soon, and he is working in the midst of his people, and his sweet presence is here. Amen. How many knows what it means to reverence the presence of the Lord? Amen. I've had a few folks because we kind of get rambunctious and we shout and dance and all the things that happen in an exciting worship time. And they didn't know if you could reverence the Lord and be rambunctious. <laughs> Which is, a, you know, that's fair. But uh, I've often wondered if you can reverence the Lord and not be rambunctious. Praise God. But I have, uh, and so thank you. Get, get your Bibles. Let's, I know that we need to move right into the word tonight. I want to preach tonight, and this is for, well, for all of us, but this is going to be the title tonight of my message in Acts chapter 13. If you would turn it with me. And I'm preaching from the subject, putting hell on notice. Putting hell on notice. Acts 13. And I'm going, since we're standing, and I know you're anxious to... <laughs> Have me do all the work and sit down here. But just before we do, let's read two, two verses here. We will come back to them, but let's read them in your hearing. And, of course, <clears throat> this is Paul. And Paul said, O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness <laughs> wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord verse 11 and now behold the hand of the Lord is upon thee and thou shalt be blind not seeing the sun for a season and immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Not exactly your most positive thinking two verses in the book of Acts. But every once in a while it becomes vital for a revival church to give hell notice that they're not winning this battle. It doesn't matter how it appears. We're giving hell notice that God is greater than any force in all of this world. And we are trusting him. Lay your Bibles aside and let's pray together for the anointing upon his word tonight. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for every ear that's going to hear tonight. Thank you for your presence. I pray for anointing on this vessel, on our voice and our hearts and our spirit and mind. 
I pray that you will help us to receive it. Lord, I ask that you will give us the mighty touch of the Holy Ghost and fill with your spirit. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And everyone said amen. amen. And, and you may be seated. Thank you for standing. Even with all the uh, concerns this morning, we have a brand new family. They're fairly new. That uh, just three days ago, somebody, uh, uh, Sister Kim Jackson was praying. Is she, are the Jacksons here? I don't think so. She could barely walk because as she left the house and she had been praying, she stepped on the curb and a car just came up on the curb and hit her. Uh, ran, of course, ran off and and they rushed her to the hospital and the doctor said she appeared to be okay, but then this morning in service she couldn't walk and had uh, signs of other, other things that were happening that would be associated with that. And the devil, you know, that's just what he wants, you know, run over the saints of God or whatever and thinks that's the end of it, but that's not the end of it. In the middle of her trying to uh, exit because she was afraid she was going to pass out, and, uh, and our hearts were broken. Of course, God helped us, and, and uh, the ambulances came, and all that was taken care of. Um, the, of course, it was con- uh, disconcerting, especially for brand-new people, to walk into a church and someone appear to be very critical. But in the, in the midst of all of that and all that went on, the preaching of the Word, uh, we had a brand-new lady get the Holy Ghost this morning speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. And so that demonstrates one more time he's still pouring the Holy Ghost out. Now I want to talk to you today about Revival Church. The sound of Peter's knock on the church door. You know I preached last Sunday night about the deliverance of Peter from prison in Acts 12. And tonight we're reading from Acts 13. You could, as it were, rhetorically still hear the ringing and the pounding of the knock on the door As the apostle Peter, they were stunned that God had delivered him from prison. And many times, I'm not suggesting, I'm not criticizing them. I'm simply saying that many times what God is doing, it is hard for us to believe. It is mind-boggling. And so it was with Rhoda at the door. She knew it was the apostle, but the, I mean, Peter, but the, the rest of the apostles said that couldn't have been, oh, that couldn't have been Peter. Remember that? Couldn't have been Peter. He's in prison. Must have been his angel out there that's what the bible says and so they thought it was easier to believe an angel was out there than it was to believe that god had delivered the apostle peter but i feel the holy ghost here tonight i feel a word from god tonight that this church is being used of god in these last days we are not about to back up or back down we're not going to worry about what people think about it we're simply going to love and serve god amen And while you could still hear the ringing of the knock on that door, another miracle was sailing from Cyprus in Acts chapter 13. Now, this is a beautiful, I love this. I don't want to, see, I could preach this all night long, but then you would be even sleeping more soundly than ever. But I I don't want to bore you with it. But of course, uh, from, from Jerusalem to, let's say, Alexandria, Egypt, that's approximately 300 miles. And then from Jerusalem to Antioch, where they were 
where God was stirring things up and about to change everything. You know that God, every once in a while, God just puts the church on a brand new course so that suddenly it becomes everything or something begins to break open. That's what was happening 300 miles north. Now, of course, uh, Paul, who was then Saul, was... Uh, gone to Damascus there he received the Holy Ghost the light blinded him and all that God was doing through him and now Saul becomes the centerpiece of the revival in Acts chapter 13 and the Holy Ghost says sin separate out Barnabas and Saul because I'm gonna I'm taking them on a on a trip and they sail from 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 Antioch, which is way up. You're almost out of the Mediterranean coastline. When you reach Antioch, you're about to turn them in. And, and so they, they jumped a ship and they sailed to Cyprus. Now there's three huge islands. If you're going to get over to Rome, you got to go to Cyprus, Crete, and then there's Sicily and then up the boot and then you're into Italy. And that's a long ways. But as they sailed to Cyprus, they landed first at, uh, at, at the first entrance or port city of, of Cyprus. And there our story begins. And the devil had lined up key demons. They were people. The Bible says, and if you're looking at your Bible, which is it's fine if you want to follow along. We're only looking at maybe three or four verses in here. He was called, the scriptures call him a Jewish false prophet. That is, he was over in Cyprus, he was Jewish, and he was a false prophet. He was going by the name of Bar, I'm going to say Bar Jesus. I prefer not to say Jesus. I could say Jesus. But, uh, but being a Greek individual, I, I prefer not to uh, translate it into English. He was Bar Jesus, which was actually derived from his Hebrew name. And his Hebrew name meant son of salvation. Anybody listening to me tonight? It was son of salvation. But he also had another name. It was his Greek name, which was not uncommon in the ancient world because of the various cultures and and Greek being the, the dominant culture. And so he used the name Elemas, Elemas in Greek, which meant... Well, it, it's a bit nebulous, but I'm going to translate it since, uh, since I teach Greek and have a little bit of knowledge. I'm going to translate it shrewd, although there's other ways to take the word. In fact, the word has, uh, since it's a name, it has some uh, shadows in its meaning, but let's just go with shrewd since that's going to help me along here. So it means something like shrewd. He was a false prophet. And I, I know the devil thinks that he's very shrewd and that he will keep the church from revival. But we are putting hell on notice. We are not going to stand by. We are not going to be prayerless. We are not going to be without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can change your name to Elemas. You can go by your Hebrew name. It makes no difference. Now, uh, so I don't know. I guess I'll call him Elemas for the rest of this sermon. But he dabbled in magic. And he thought that, you know, that was really cool because, you know, he was Jewish and he could do this and that. And he was, uh, uh, the King James translated translates that he was a sorcerer, which is probably as good as you're going to get. And so he dabbled in these things and, and made people kind of be dazzled. And, uh, 
And so it was. He didn't care from where his power source came. He didn't care really very much like the postmodern culture in which we live. I'm not suggesting he was postmodern, but it was the same idea. It doesn't matter who you, you can worship anybody, anything makes no difference. But I tell you today, there is no God like our God. There is no other God but our God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he didn't like it when the deputy who, uh, that's the King James, but that actually is the word proconsul or governor. So let's go with uh, probably proconsul. Is, is everybody okay? Is it okay to preach a little bit? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the church needs to recognize that this is more, this is no game that we're playing. This is not just a bunch of people gathering together over here on Terra Boulevard. We're a part of a last day's church that's filled with the power of Almighty God. Delivering power. Thank you, Jesus. So this was, let's call it the, the pro-council. Pro-council, I mean, not council, but consul. Wouldn't governor be easier, but let's just go with pro-council. All right, so, so he was. He was over all of Cyprus. And uh, we are not told why. We're not given detail. All we have are these few verses that the proconsul asked Paul to preach. And he also asked for, for Elymas to come. And, of course, Elymas had been going by uh, the name uh, Son of Salvation. He sort of represented Judaism in a sense. And, uh, and, and the proconsul was somewhat impressed by it. And, uh, and so uh, Elymas became somewhat jealous or stirred up. And, of course, that's exactly what uh, the power of God does to people who are in his state of mind. It stirs them up. Now, folks, every time somebody opposes God or the Bible or whatever, that doesn't mean that they're right. Just because they oppose God. They may have a PhD. They may be the smartest man ever lived. But that does not mean they're right. Because what happens is the spirit of God begins to stir the heart and the mind. And so he didn't like it because Paul was asked to come and preach as well. Now we're not given the reasons. We don't know fully why both of them were invited and so on and so forth. I mean we could say the Lord did it. But I mean beyond that we don't know the situation. But we do know that the devil hates preaching. Anybody know that? The devil absolutely hates preaching. Folks, it's time for the church to recognize we're not going to have revival without anointed preaching. We're not going to have revival if we sit on our thumbs and Hollywood is our God. We're going to have revival because we understand that he is greater than any force in this world. So just when Satan thought that he had the new guy, that is Paul. I'm gonna, that, that's kind of a, a casual way to refer to the conversion of Paul. And there's some time involved here. I'm not going to get into how many years it was and how much time and how many months because nobody actually knows for sure. But it was, it was fairly recent that Paul saw the blinding light and is converted and everybody's awed and so on. And, he, and the devil thinks that here's the young preacher, the young guy, the fresh convert. Nobody believed he'd ever be converted. And now he's up against the ropes. And, uh, and, and the enemy thinks, man, this guy's easy pickings, and, and, which is an expression that's Greek for, no, I'm just kidding, easy pickings. Does, does anybody know what I mean by that? Does anybody know what I mean by that? How, how much detail do I have to give you here? The devil thinks he can get at the church. He thinks he can stop you because you're the new guy on the block. 
That's what the devil thinks, but the devil is a liar. He may think he has you, uh, let's say, let's use another analogy, you're back against the wall. Let's use that instead of against the ropes. And just at that moment that it appeared, the power of God began to manifest itself. And the Bible says that Paul rebuked that false spirit. Now, let me say this. I believe the church should be loving and kind. I know that sometimes when we preach like I'm preaching, it appears that we're just rough and tough and tumble. Man, we could just do cartwheels and land on our feet, and I could jump over this pulpit and just roll down the aisle. It appears that we're tough and all of that. And But I know the church is to be loving. It should have a heart full of love. But I want to tell you, my friend, we should not be loving the devil or the spirit of darkness. See, some people are just fooling you. They're telling you they love God, but they really love darkness. Now, I don't mean they don't mean to love God, but I'm going to tell you, you cannot hold on. You can't hold on. I mean, you can't hold on to Satan and hold on to God at the same time. Jesus himself said you just can't do it. And so there's people trying it, and they may be ever so sincere, but they will fail. It's not possible to do. At some point, they're going to have to choose. And so the Bible says that Paul just jumped right in. Now, I could, I know Paul, I'm not going to go too deep into the psychology of it, but I know Paul must have been wondering, here I am, I'm in, in this, uh, I'm in Cyprus, We've, first time the church has ever launched out from Jerusalem, and I'm a th- I was 300 miles away, now I'm clear over in Cyprus, and the Holy Ghost is speaking to him. Church, I want to tell you something, if we'd get used to letting the Holy Ghost direct us, we would be far better off. That false spirit every once in a while, God is trying to speak to us. And hell has been used to pushing the church around and slicing off the heads of the apostle James and thinking that we're going to cower behind closed doors. But I'm serving notice on hell tonight. We will not back down. We're not backing down. Now that may, may seem tough and tumble. You know, and we're supposed to be, you know, sweet and kind and so on, but we're not backing down. We're not giving in to the spirit of darkness. This church, Paul himself, the new preacher, served the notice. Hell never took him for granted again. Paul is becoming the famous guy. Remember, his name was changed by one letter from Saul to Paul, but the meanings of the two words in the ancient language uh, was profound, and I'm not going to revisit it. But how many knows there's a difference between the name Saul and the name Paul? A massive difference, and hell took note of that name. And the Bible says that Paul cried out, Oh, full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil. And you heard me read it earlier. I'm going to, uh, of course, dwell on these two portions for another few moments here. But the fact of the matter is that the church must believe that God is greater than any force of hell. Matters not what it is. We must believe that he can infuse our hearts, that God can fill our hearts with faith and with power 
in these last days. Folks, there's not a cancer greater than the healing power of God. There's not a, there's not a trouble. There's not a, a disease, a sickness. There's not a demon greater. You see? And the church also needs to declare to the devil. I'm I'm skipping it, so I'll throw it in right here because I I thought I wouldn't have time, but I'm going to go ahead and toss it right in here to the mix. That the Bible says that um, I'm going to translate it my own way. I'm not going to even refer to the King James. That he stared him down. The Bible says he looked, he glared. That's one way you could translate it, although that... That maybe that'd be a little a little strong, but he he looked at him as hard as he could look. I want to tell you, folks. You know what a strong look does? It tells the devil, "You are not stopping me. You're not going to stop me." Now, folks, I want to tell you something. The devil thinks that he will turn you back. You have got to determine that I have a made-up mind in the Holy Ghost. I'm not letting my family go to hell. I'm not giving up on my loved ones. I'm not giving up on my city. So devil, take your hands off my kids. Leave my neighbor alone. Leave the saints of God alone. I am not going to stand by and the devil trying to attack your home and your body and your health as though it doesn't mean a thing. I'm telling you today that God is able to deliver us. He will deliver us. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. I do, I do, I do. I'm, 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 I'm holding back. I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to say it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm not speaking from ease either. My son here is, uh, my assistant, uh, has had four open heart surgeries. That's not easy. Four open heart surgeries. He's only 30. He's in his early 30s, which seems like a baby. No, I'm just kidding. Um, When you're as old as I am, help me, Lord. Um... But I remember when the devil said, I'm taking his life. I'm taking his life. That's what the devil said. I want you to know we serve a God that is able to deliver us in the midst of our trouble. He knows us. Hallelujah. He understands us. I remember some time ago, I, uh, I, this is not a, I know it's a true story because uh, the fellow that, that sent it to me many years ago tells of a, a, a fella in one of these national parks. It's all in there. It's an actual story, actual places, but I don't recall the names. But uh, he was hiking up on the mountains and, and uh, by himself, and a rattlesnake fell onto him. He was going up over, you know, rock climbing. You can tell I'm a big rock climber. And uh, he was climbing up over this cliff, and the, the rattlesnake somehow, he, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but the rattlesnake was sort of flipped over onto him and just landed right on him. And the rattlesnake got his fangs caught in his sweater. And he was trying to pull the, I know me, I, man, I would have been jumping off the, th- anyway, don't, it wasn't me, so not about me. And uh, 
the reason I'm thinking of this is uh, the minister is fairly well known that first published this little story. Uh, said that as he wrestled with the, the rattlesnake, he couldn't, and the rattlesnake kept. Uh, this is what the story says. I've never wrestled a rattlesnake. I'm not suggesting that I know. I'm just telling you. The guy that did, this is his story. That the rattlesnake, when he finally got it, the fangs loose from his sweater, which was like right here, I think, and he pulls that head back. He thought he had won because he had hold of the rattlesnake. But what he didn't count on was the rattlesnake started pounding him in the face with his face. Does a rattlesnake have a face? Well, whatever he has, he was pounding this guy and literally bloodied this guy, hit him in the eye, and just and he was trying his best. He said, he said, and I, he said, this is the point of this story. As he wrestled with that rattlesnake, and and however at the end of the story, go read it for yourself. I'm trying to get to this one point that when he that rattlesnake is pounding him in the face, and he said, it dawned on me as I held that snake like this, trying to keep him from pounding. His hands were, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, if his hands had been free, it would have been different. But his hands, the way he was holding onto the side of this mountain or whatever, I have never been holding onto the side of a mountain, believe me. But he said, I noticed something I had never heard before rattlesnakes don't blink that's what he wrote hello rattlesnakes now could we is there a way to verify that on google i i should google that of course it it's odd but evidently true that when you're staring down the viper, he has a determined attitude and here your life is in danger. And he realized it was, it was going to be one or the other. Now church, we better recognize, we better understand the enemy of the church, the devil himself, that old snake, he cares nothing for your soul. He cares nothing for your future, your children, or your desires. He has no point at all to take you down. But we have a God in the midst of it all that gets us through it. Let's clap our hands. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I'm talking to somebody tonight. And I know I need to hurry, but I'm talking to somebody tonight. The church is alive and well. Truth is, Satan only thinks that he has more power than the church because he's deluded. He does not have. Someone said, oh, well, what about the Supreme Court? And what about this? And The devil does not have more power than God. The Holy Ghost-filled church gets tried, and, and God takes the church through. It becomes weary, but it then suddenly begins to live beneath its privileges and starts all of a sudden recognizing, I'm tired of living beneath my privileges. I don't want my family to be lost. I don't want 
the, the church to be weak and afraid. I, I want to be loving and kind, but I need to know the power of God. And so suddenly the church begins to say, devil, you're no match for my God. I have a made up mind. I come to you. It reminds us of little David. He said, I got a sling here and that giant's going down. Thank you, Jesus. So Sergius Paulus, the, the proconsul, had befriended Elymas, unaware of his spiritual darkness. And then uh, suddenly we realize that there's a, a battle that's being set up. There's a, a circumstance that is going to unfold. And we would also learn well that just because someone's listening to false doctrine, which, of course, Sergius Paulus was, or at least he appears to have been open to a sorcerer, wondering and questioning, that doesn't mean that God has no plan to reach that man. Just because somebody's on drugs today doesn't mean they cannot be delivered tomorrow. Because somebody is running from God today doesn't mean God isn't after them. Hallelujah. Because God is able to snatch them from the chains of hell. That's the God we serve. And so this Cyprian proconsul watched Elymas as he fought Paul. The Bible says he says of Paul, and he also says of, of Sergius Paulus, that the Bible uses the term in the King James at least, that he was, verse 7, he was prudent. But I don't know if we are very familiar with the idea of prudence. We probably are, but I'm, you know what I mean. I don't want you to have any doubt of what he's saying about this governor, that he was prudent. It basically, the Greek basically means he was a pretty, let's say intelligent. Let's go with that because I don't want to be too smug here. So he was quite intelligent. Paul recognized it. Scripture records it. But it takes more than mental knowledge. It takes more than intelligence. It takes a heart for God. God. And God recognized that the proconsul, listen, my friend, we write people off way too fast when God's already working on them. Come on, let's lift our hands and let's pray for our city, pray for our neighbors, pray for a move of God in people's hearts. Lord, they may seem like the last person that would ever find it, but you're able to pour out your spirit upon them. So remember, saints, folks are watching. They see what's happening just like the proconsul. Watch this little battle going on between the young preacher Paul and, and this sorcerer, as it were. This guy that, that was sort of a false uh, teacher and false prophet. And so uh, and, and we realize that, uh, that people are listening at times when it seems that they're not. And so I want to talk to you, church. I'm trying to talk to you. I'm trying to weave this in tonight and hurry along as we go. But we often are too quick to think that people are not noticing what God is doing. But there are people who are watching what God is all about. The, they are wondering and they're questioning. And they may run here. And I remember when I first became apostolic. And, and I, I thought, the, you know, the apostolic folks were just completely wacko. Wacko is a Greek word that means, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But people hear it. Don't think that they can't figure out what's going on in and amidst the people of God. 
They notice the differences. They, they wonder about it. This is the time to stand for truth as never before. This is the hour. This is the time to serve notice on the gates of hell. I'm, I'm thinking of it like this, and I'm talking to somebody tonight. You need to take, uh, uh, let's just use a little imagery here. You need to take a hammer or a mallet and something come, come some kind of attack and a notice, and you need to walk right up to the gates of hell, and you need to say, let my people go. I am not about to listen to you when I have a God that is greater and more powerful. We are not going to succumb. We are not going to give up. In fact, Satan, you're the one that's going to back up. You're going to back up. Not because of arrogance or cunningness or, or cleverness or intelligence, but because God is greater than you are. Somehow or another, in the end, I know we win. So looks to me like the new Paul wasn't afraid to stand up for the gospel. Now grab your Bible. Here we go. Verse 10. So Elamus, which of course is his Greek name, was which uh, the Bible said that Paul says to him, notice his name meant son in Hebrew, meant son of Salvation, bar Jesus, I'm calling it. Of course, Jesus happens to be Greek, but you understand what I'm saying. Because to get it back into the Hebrew uh, is, is just unnecessary. I don't have to give you the Hebrew word. And so he, he says to Elymas, listen, you son of the devil. Doesn't sound like he was holding back very much. Then he goes on, your Full, and the King James goes with subtlety, but since that's somewhat less clear, I'm going to just make it real clear. You are full of deceit. Now, every once in a while, and I don't say every day, there are people that, you know, we know the truth about maybe their life, and we're kind and we're sweet, but every once in a while, let me tell you, friends, if the devil's right there and he's pounding your face and got your kids by the neck, you need to tell the devil you're not going to win this battle. Praise God. But that wasn't the end. He went on and called him the son of mischief, which is, uh, let's just leave that one alone. That, uh, that, that's a fun one, but I'm going to leave that alone. And I know you won't stop, he said, Elemas, on your own. I have sensed it in the Holy Ghost. You see, every once in a while, the Spirit of God brings us to a place. And what am I saying, Pastor? I'm saying God is bringing this church to revival. It's going to be revival that's going to shatter the concepts of our neighbors and our friends. So he says, I come to you, says to Elymas, I come to you with the power of God. Behold, thou, verse 11, shalt be blind. This is one of the rare moments. It's almost... Well, in Acts, we've already seen it in, of course, Ananias and Sapphira. We know they fell dead. And uh, you don't hear many sermons on that either. I'm not here to, to brag about the fact that he went blind. I am here to tell you that God is demonstrating to this new church that is venturing out in its revival that God has planned, that God is able to see and understand what is happening in those about us. And to bring the revival that we desperately long for. So this was not vengefulness. Boom, you're blind. 
This was God's power stopping evil long enough. Everyone say long enough. Because he said, see, if you're looking at your Bible, it says it was for a season. That's the King James. So this is for a season. You're going to be blind. Whap! I'm, I, I sense the devil is very nervous right now. I sense <laughs> I do. The devil is mad. But I want to tell the devil something. I'm mad too. In fact, I'm tired of you thinking you have a right to prowl around and you have a right to destroy and distort the truth and destroy lives. So the Bible said blind, whammo. And he did it long enough, not vengefully, but to allow free will to reach out to the truth. And every time the Holy Ghost moves, that's what he's doing. He's giving somebody else a chance to say, that's what I'm looking for. And the proconsul, the Bible says, believed. He was absolutely lifted up. He saw what was going on. And Elymas, though, was severely judged. The Bible says, immediately there fell on him a mist. How many can help me preach? I'm almost done. How many can help me preach? A fell on, listen, no, listen, I've never read this anywhere, in any, anywhere. There fell on him. There fell on him. I'm in verse 11. A mist and a darkness. There we go. I wasn't really hinting, but since you took the hint, no, I'm just no that way you can see. Because some of you, I can see you're just, in, just enjoying watching me just kind of, you know, jump around here. Well, I, I understand why some are somewhat uh, taken back by such a pronouncement. Let's read it. Well, you see it right there, but I'm going to read it here. There fell on him a mist and a darkness. Here was a guy. Who thought he was ready for the moment. And a mist and a darkness. Falls upon him. But what is that? So don't you doubt it my friend. Hell just got served notice. We are not playing games. We're not interested in your money. We're not interested in your hoopla. Fine, I hope you're well educated. I hope you have a PhD and I, all of that. Folks, I want to tell you, all of this world, if we could the whole world up and it was ours, it would not be enough to save our soul. If we, geez, if we gained the whole world, wouldn't be enough to save our soul. The Greek here for mist is a word oculus, and I know that you're immediately recognizing it because of the word I, right? Everyone here, pretty much? No? <laughs> All right. Well, oculus, of course, is, is, uh, is the 
connected to the Greek word for I. Obviously, he, there was a mist. But the question is, well, what in the world is aklous? There's the, there's the Greek word for I, but why aklous? Well, it happens to be a medical reference to a cloudy film that could come over the eyes. And therefore, um, I'm, I'm trying to be gross. I'm simply trying to preach the, the exactly what Scripture says here. Of course, the King James went with mist. I have no problem with the word mist. It just it seems to be a little more complicated if you say mist. But it was a cloudy, milky-like uh, look that would come upon the eyes. It was immediate. It wasn't like three days later he got this kind of a glazed look. He literally, immediately, his eyes became, he not only could he not see, but there was a visible, there was a visible attack upon his eyes. And he could not see. You say, well, what's going on here? I'm going to tell you what's going on here. It's not God being vengeful. It's God saying, listen, there comes a time when the church has to say, devil, I am not going to put up with that another minute. You had better believe the very imps of hell were stunned. Their, their stew to let people around with false doctrine was now stumbling about seeking for hands to lead him. God had snatched it from his very hands. This was a temporary message to the devils who hold our loved ones in bondage. Hell, you're going to lose this battle. We are not going to lose this battle. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap our hands. Let's give God a little bit of praise. I'm almost done. Paul had to declare truth. Praise God. Hey, Elemus, you're not the son of salvation. You're the son of the devil. Every once in a while, you just have to say it like it is. And the devil must bend. And the devil must give up those he's held in his hands. Cyprus's governor, the Bible says, was astonished. And you know that, of course, he wasn't the only one astonished. Elemus who had instant misting of his eyes and inability to see for a season, were not told his future. I would like to think that in his own amazement, perhaps he too were not given this. I'm not suggesting I know. I don't know. No one knows. But I, I can have, I can think what I want to. You know, every once in a while, we don't know the end of the story, but you know, God has a tremendous end of the story for people. And so there weren't, it wasn't just the proconsul that believed and was astonished, but it was certainly the blinded sorcerer. The Bible tells us, and of course, the word astonished uh, is sometimes translated uh, amazed. The words are basically interchangeable. Webster says that amazed means to confound with sudden surprise or wonder the power of God shakes the heart to confounding proportions so that the soul they said oh you folks speak in tongues you folks see people raised from the dead you folks see blind eyes open yes we do because that's the God that we serve and he's greater than any force in this world he is a mighty God and he is moving all over this world could we stand together I want us to pray that God will give us the faith to say I'm ready to stand for truth and 
tell hell to take its hands off of my family. Could we lift our hands right now? Let's pray a special prayer. Father, tonight I feel anointing here. I feel the faith of the hearts of God's people. I feel it rising, oh God, to overcome the limited sight of this world. And now we're looking into the spiritual realm. God is real and God is powerful. He can take drugs and alcohol and trouble and sin and bondage and he can set us free and break the chains. Lord, I feel that by faith tonight. And Lord, I believe it's your will to give us a revival that will astonish not only our neighbors, not so we can be some big somebody, but so that the power of God can be revealed in the hearts of this world. Lord, I thank you for the freedom in the Holy Ghost. Thank you for this freedom from sin that we feel that is moving in our midst tonight. We thank you, Jesus, that your will, oh God, is to touch this church, not the next church, this church. You're moving in our midst, Lord, and you are showing us that your hand is upon us, and we give you praise for it. Somebody, I want you to, here, let's do this. I know some of you are going to rush out, but I want us to do this. I want you to come and pray with me, and I want us to stand for someone that we love, and I want you to, someone you know, you're going to tell the and I want you to tell the devil that you're not taking them. You're not going to have them. You're not taking my son. You're not taking my husband. You're not taking my neighbor, my co-worker. I, I stand and I'm serving hell notice right now that I'm going to have a mighty move of God that will bind the hands of this world and offer up the spirit of God in people's hearts.